0: Thank you so much, Gabriel, for joining me today. It is so good to have you on as a guest. Me and Gabriel go way back, as, as is the case with most of my podcast guests, we go way back to Georgia Tech, some good old days. Just before we get started, um, welcome to the New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. We discuss chemistry, which simply put, is a science of change, as well as careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in my guest today is gabriel and i'm excited to have him on just a brief intro about gabriel gabriel is he has earned the stripes he has worked at accenture uh, rank climbing up the ranks to become a senior consulting analyst now um he works on amplitude he's also served as a co-founder and as a lead entrepreneur on enterprise engagement manager so he's definitely earned the stripes we met at georgia tech where he completed a bachelor of science um in computer science and he's also the founder of grind don't know sleep so yeah he's definitely an accomplished young man he's definitely glad to have him on as a guest so gabriel just before, as we get started what have been your long-standing interest in the field of science
1: wow science it's interesting i think when i started life out <laughs> as, a, as a good old young kid uh science probably went to video games it was probably my first interest okay. video games being But I used to play a bunch and that's just what I like to do, you know, playing the Game Boy Pokemon Yellow, you know, Silver, you know, all the way up that, all the NBA 2Ks, just that whole world got me interested in seeing what technology was was capable of doing. And so didn't really know what I wanted to do being a young kid. I just knew I was good at math and science, you know, and eventually that turned into a career uh, in the tech world. So I studied computer science at Georgia Tech. Graduated with that degree, uh, but then led me to tech consulting. So being able to kind of balance out, uh, I guess, the math and sciences of the world into uh, business logic, I think that's kind of where my head's been been going the past few past few years. So yeah, that's
0: that's really good. That's really good. So it's interesting you bring up. It seems like this is a consistent trend. I interviewed a faculty member at Georgia Tech and several other people, and a lot of people talk about how video games led them to become interested in computer
1: science. Yeah.
0: Would you say that was something that was fostered by yourself, or by your parents, or by your environment? How did that come about?
1: I, honestly I, I feel like in you know depending on the demographic of the audience it, it, for me, my family background there wasn't a lot of scientists there wasn't people in the science field, um, so we were very humble beginnings, you know people just kind of blue collar workers doing what they need to do, pay the bills um, and we weren 't really as a family in the careers of the science space so for me or any kid that 's probably the easiest way to get exposed to science if you don't have it in your family is video games and for me, that was my outlet that 's what I did rather than it was either that or play outside and so if i wasn't playing sports i was playing video games and so i think that was like the closest outlet to figure out what science could do and specifically computer engineering computer science which was my first major coming out of uh coming into college so that would be my thought
0: okay that's good that's good so my question was did you start off as computer science or did you switch to computer science
1: yeah so i started off as computer engineering reason okay. being i thought i you know my dad showed me a lot about computers and Mm -hmm. so because I like computers engineering that sounds like that's what you're supposed to do if you like math and science and then I started that
0: okay
1: got into a couple of classes realized I didn't really care for circuits and and, and hardware and stuff like that and quickly I was like how do I get back to that programming thing that I learned and my first experience with coding was with MATLAB at Georgia Tech as many people Mm -hmm. from Georgia Tech uh CS1310
0: I think Yep, yep, no yep, yeah. Something,
1: yeah. yeah, something like that, yeah, we remember the numbers, numbers yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we learned MATLAB, which was, you know, not necessarily what some engineers would call coding, coding, but it was my introduction to it, and that's when I got excited about it, I had a lot of fun with it, the, the way the computers work, and realizing the power behind, not just video games, but, you know, algorithms, your, your laptops, you know, anything, really, your cell phone, um, TVs, and yeah, the list goes on.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. My question to you is, um, and as we unpack this, unpack your career and all the success you've had thus far. Um, my question to you is: How did you overcome, or how did you get through, to becoming competent and proficient in programming? Because a lot of people stop at it because they're like, "Oh, this is hard. I'm debugging all the time. It's very frustrating." How did you overcome that barrier?
1: Yeah, so it's it's funny because I think my career, and you know, I, I want to be clear for anyone listening, you know. Today, I'm not a software engineer. Today, I'm not coding. But while I was at school, I definitely had an interest for it. I definitely had an interest for solving problems. And I think that's what led me to go through all the computer science courses and to start coding things like computer graphics and to code things like audio software or to create Python scripts for robots to dance around and whatnot. Um, I enjoyed the, the, that thought process that it took to, to make something do an action in that way. And so I think there's generally an interest that you have to have in wanting to solve problems, but just also the way of how we do it as programmers is sitting at your computer and typing it out. Like if you have that joy, I think that's what really kind of pushed me over the edge of wanting to complete that degree. Now, the reason for me to shift away from sitting at my desk uh, and doing that, that joy that I had was that, was that itself, sitting at a desk. I'd rather be talking with people, collaborating, whiteboarding. And so having a mix of that in like the consulting world is what I was looking for, which I think I found in consulting and then putting me into a space of, of software um, as a consultant, I guess.
0: So was it hard to transition to Accenture from like the hard sciences to like consulting? Was it hard to transition or was it a very facile transition?
1: So I'd say a little bit of both. And the reason why I say a little bit of both is I set myself up in school to make sure that I was finding the proper internships. And as someone coming in with an engineering background, it's a very unique background when you're coming into the consulting world. Generally a consultant would be a business major or someone who's been in the space of building out PowerPoint decks or understanding business or finance or marketing or any of these like business majors at Georgia tech, as we all know from Georgia Tech people, we're all engineers. We're all math and science. Everything we do is on the computer. So we stood out to the consulting companies that were hiring for us. But we also had the barrier of entry of excelling, I would say, at like the typical consulting things, which would be PowerPoint decks, you know, building out spreadsheets, um, you know, all the equations that it, went, that it went into actually building out pivot tables and all that. Stuff like that was completely just unknown to me when I got into the space and so that was the barrier of entry once I realized oh okay as a consultant this is something you should be good at um, now, I think over time, as I got into my career, I developed that skill. I was not good at it at first, but what differentiated me was the way I did think. And so trying to make sure I leaned in on that while also not stumbling on my weaknesses at the time was kind of what I had to make sure I I, um, I balanced out at the beginning of my career.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. I could take I, I, I'm going to have to re listen to this because you said not stumbling on your weaknesses but leaning forward to what you are aspiring for that's good so how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general how do you do that
1: yeah i think if we all take a step back which i think we all did during this time in the pandemic you yep. recognize you know what do you find value in what do you not um for me what in the beginning of my career like i mentioned i did not find joy in creating PowerPoint decks. I did not find joy in project management and I did not find joy in the spreadsheets. But what I did find joy in is solving the problems and then telling a story. The telling a story piece uh, that I enjoyed, I did not think of as something that I was interested in or even like anywhere near good at when I was doing a lot of math and science related things I drew to tech. That came out of me in the consulting world. And then once I realized that I enjoyed that piece, but I was not good at a couple of the pieces that helps tell the stories, that's kind of what motivated me to stay in the lane of figuring out, you know, okay, how do I become a better consultant? It's about better storytelling, which doesn't always lead to a better PowerPoint. It doesn't lead to building out more spreadsheets, but those are just tools in which you can use to leverage um, the story that you're trying to tell. Um, in, In that, with data and analysis, which is kind of a lot with what my job is today, you're able to tell a story as well. Now how you gather that information is one way, but how you tell it is another. So I guess losing myself in the question you originally asked, I think my mindset going into my job was really just to understand how do I become better at the things that I enjoy, um, and then leverage the things that I don't enjoy, but are kind of like necessities in in this lifestyle. So I say that because fast forward to today, my job requires me to make decks. My job requires me to make spreadsheets. And even in my businesses today, I'm using a lot of spreadsheets to get the data that I want, to do the analysis that I want, uh, to, to help better tell a story. Even in the finance world, you'll find a lot of finance people using spreadsheets to make sure that they make the numbers work for their business, uh, which is another skill that I've had to pick up just as a general entrepreneur and building something out, financing like the, the language to business. And that's usually going to require some spreadsheets. So funny enough, with all that those learnings of how to build up my weaknesses, that also led me to now do a lot of that in my day job. And I'm pretty decent at it, at least enough to have me successfully doing my job today. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse, uh, the path that I went through, but I think the the learning there is take every opportunity that you have or every season that you're in um, and run with it. You know, like really lean into it and see what you're going to learn from it because you might not need it um, in the next five to 10 years, but something might come up and that one little piece nugget that you took away from that se- season might be helpful down the line. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing,
0: it, you know. yeah, seeing, seeing purpose in what you're going through. That's good. So my question, my question to you is how are you doing all of this? Like you, are you a serial entrepreneur? Would You can tell yourself to be a serial entrepreneur. How are you managing all of this, Gabriel? Tell us the secret. What, what's the secret? <laughs> tell us the not, secret.
1: I'm not sure if I have a secret, uh, unfortunately, but I think we're all learning how to do it on our own way. Um, just like you, David, we, we all, you know, especially at Georgia Tech have to find a way to make, do with the time that we can have so naturally as a person i like to find myself busy i like to find myself moving a lot i you know have been flying around a lot and travel these past few weeks even uh, along with pat- balancing my day job and balancing um, a business on the side of my day job so just to give color of what i'm doing Today, I work at a company called Amplitude. We are a product analytics company. I am an engagement manager on the professional services team. So we help all of our customers that buy our software get onboarded onto that platform. So that is my main day-to-day job, is helping product managers get onboarded to our product analytics software. Um, On my night job, let's call it the the five to, I guess, midnight time job, uh, I I, I lead a a social group uh, called Over the Top uh, with a couple of friends actually from Georgia Tech But with that, with that social group, we're basically amplifying gratitude through celebration. So we plan events and curate events and experiences for other like minded individuals, uh, entrepreneurs, young professionals that are trying to network but also experience cool things at the same time. And so I on top of those team, two, two, two things did like five, six, seven other different things in my life. And I had to realize at some point that I needed to narrow my focus on the things that I really cared about the most, at least at that point. So today, what that is, is my job and it's over the top. Those are the two things that I definitely put a lot of my energy in. And then aside from that, I always like to make sure that I'm building up things like um, your spiritual health, your physical health, uh, your mental health. Which is another conversation, but I think as long as you're making sure you're tapping into those spaces, um, that's going to help you feel elevated in the other areas that you're focusing on. Which in my case right now is my job and my social group.
0: Yeah, that's good. So all of you been adaptive and creative in the field of business and science. So you start these companies. What unique flair have your companies added to the business world? Or what unique flair have you added to your job itself um, outside of your personal? What unique flair have you added?
1: The, the main thing that I think really took, took, took off for just myself personally, or what allowed me to take off in my career and in my business ventures and just life in general, is owning up into being my full self. I think being at a consulting firm, you kind of adapt to the environment around you and you think you need to be this corporate self of you that they want you to be. Um, Coming as a person of color, right? My family's Puerto Rican, Dominican, I'm Afro-Latino. It's easy for you to feel misplaced in in environments like this in corporate America, not understanding how you should act. And I think Accenture did a good job of making sure that they wanted us to to be our full selves. Now, granted, a company that big, it's hard to see that triple down effect of actually feeling comfortable being your true self. But there was a moment in time where I recognized that there was value in me being me which was uh, sometimes a very expressive personality, sometimes being very lighthearted and wanting to have just joy in what we did Uh, without having to give you the cool big words. You know, maybe I can make a Drake reference in a customer call. Maybe I can, you know, talk about my weekend candidly and be okay with that. Um, Obviously there's like... um, there's pros and cons to that. And there's probably some things you probably shouldn't mention to your, 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 your coworkers or anything like, Oh yeah, I was looking for another job. Like that'd be probably a bad thing to talk about if that was the case. Mm -hmm. But I think being true to myself and my environment at work is what excelled me to now feel comfortable in my own skin. But now people also can gravitate towards you and be comfortable with talking to you. And now you and that person can build relationships. And at the end of the day, everything in this world is about relationships. And if people can't connect with you as a human being, that's going to just take away opportunities for you and for that person. So that's probably the number one thing that's helped me build out um, my career as in, in tech, um, and, but also built out my brand in the social group at Over the Top. Because at the end of the day, just to be clear, David, my day-to-day job in corporate America is one thing. And in my social life with this social group, traveling, hitting the world, going out to bars and nightclubs every now and then, or actually just like, you know, getting on a boat and having a good time in Mexico. We all do these social things. For the yes. We all have social lives. And so yes. I am candid in my day-to-day and talk about what I do. I'll share photos. Um, again, you know, to everybody's discretion, but I like to own up to what I'm doing. And I think people connect to that better as a human being than not doing that. So yeah. again, I, I just want to caveat one more time with your with your discretion, right? That doesn't mean tell everybody your entire life. With yeah. your discretion, just be your full self in these environments. That That's what's helped me out.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's very good. So how did you seek or find the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and intellectually? So let's take it a step. Let's go a little bit back a bit. So. You start off in high school and end up at Georgia Tech. How did you know that Georgia Tech was the right place for you? Step one, how do you know that was the right place for you?
1: So I did not have a lot of counseling on schools and being able to go to the right one. I've actually only applied to two schools in high school. Okay. The first one was the University of Miami because my family was in Miami, and that's the only reason why I applied. And the second one was Georgia Tech because I was going to high school in Georgia and my counselor said I should apply to an in-state school that was a good school and that I can get you know, good scholarships. So that's the only reason why I applied to Georgia Tech. Those are the only two schools I applied to. So I got into both. And lucky, luckily enough, I actually got a full scholarship at Georgia Tech, which allowed me to end it and get the education that I got and open up the opportunities that I had. So, if it wasn't for that counselor in high school, I would have not been at Georgia Tech, and I would not be doing what I'm doing today in the tech world. I'd probably be back in Miami doing whatever I would have been doing at the time. You know, God knows that story, but what i do know now is i i think that counselor every day uh, i think about that 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 story in my head because mm-hmm. if that conversation hadn't happened i would have probably not be here today
0: yeah that's good Andrew, that's very good so i remember when you are at georgia tech you were part of omet um so what, what led you to jump into that was that because of your personality what led you to do those activities while at georgia tech
1: yeah, so OMED, um, I believe some folks have talked about it in the podcast already, but, you know, that, that's basically where all the minority students could go and get any educational support um, for, for the Georgia Tech experience. Um, the, the, the percentage of minority students at Georgia Tech um, is very small, and so being able to find that home and community where you can just feel like you have people that can relate to you culturally, uh, but just as a lifestyle w- was great, and to have that support as well. Um, so I think that's naturally where I gravitated towards, towards OMED. I was originally introduced to OMED by the Challenge Program, which was a program that's put on by by OMED for minority students the summer before entering their freshman year, and you get prepared in a four week program on how to get a 4.0 or just be surviving in the the school um, as, as a freshman student. So that basically led to my lifelong friends that I have even to this day. Um, Kyle Wu, who's been on the podcast and is also a co founder of Over the Top with me and has also been my roommate out here in the Bay Area, was also someone I met through that program. So, overall, that that program not only has given me friends of a lifetime, but it's also like giving me skills to this day that that continue to help me push forward.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Georgia Tech, I think, was almost like a concentrated pool of talent, a concentrated network that has led to a lot of things for me personally as well. Yep. So um, how were you able to start a company, a uh, company, uh, Grind Don't no Sleep? Why do you name it yep. that and why did you start that?
1: Yeah. So the story that I have with Grind Don't no Sleep, first, a lot of you might ask, oh, that that grammatically is incorrect. That is correct. That it's grammatically incorrect. It was my freshman year of Georgia Tech, and I interned at Procter & Gamble in the summer. I had an experience for the first time working at a company that just wasn't a McDonald's because that was my only job prior to that. Um, Again, as I mentioned, my family isn't in corporate America like that. It's, you know, so humble beginnings all around. And so being in like a space like Procter & Gamble with the, the cubicles and, 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 a, and a life salary was different. I recognized in this opportunity that there were a lot of people that had family that had this opportunity um, to tell them, hey, this is what a proper & Gamble would look like. This is what it would look like to work at a corporate America job and get a nice salary or intern for a summer. Internships, things like that, salary, those were things that I was not used to hearing just growing up. And so I was kind of frustrated. I was kind of down and I had a really rough summer um, just from like a like a mindset perspective and recognizing that like this full time of my life, I've never been introduced to what was possible here up until this point. Like if it wasn't for that counselor that told me to go to Georgia Tech, if it wasn't for OMED in the challenge program to tell me I needed to be in internships, um, I wouldn't have been at this internship and I wouldn't have this experience. So that led to the idea that there needs to be someone teaching about these opportunities to give people opportunity to, to, to be successful. And that's when the idea of grind on those no sleep came up with a conversation that would have made my friends Andrew Wright, who was also a friend from Omed, that I met through challenge and is still a friend to this day. Um basically we just had a conversation and like he's like, how do we maintain this lifestyle to like make sure we can take this back to our families so they know what's possible? just got to grind and not sleep, you know, grind on no sleep. And so from there, that moment, that motto was created, grind on no sleep, which means just grinding towards your passion and not sleeping on the opportunities to go after it. And so it was focused on speaking to um, just basically um, students in socioeconomic conditions that don't have the opportunities for these opportunities or understand it. And so we spoke to a lot of young uh, high school um, college students or upcoming college students uh, and mentor them about with different workshops and what that might look like. So that was the inspiration behind the T-shirts. We launched a brand with the t- we launched a T-shirt, uh, I guess, campaign with the, with the slogan on it. A lot of students got behind it, bought into the brand. Uh, the house the housing department at Georgia Tech also bought into it. We gave it to some of our residents, and it was just basically since then a the mindset that we kept going with for like college and to this day.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, I think about the analogy in chemistry. Sometimes things are precipitate, you just need one drop of a particular chemical, one drop for co-precipitation. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to successful um, successful uh, living and also being successful in school. Many times, even in grad school and before grad school, many times it's a matter of the right opportunity to do research at a particular university to get the letter of rec from someone at that university to transition into the university. So it's, it's those key moments and key uh, nuggets of advice that really help it make a difference, a world of a difference, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you're currently working in?
1: So the field that I'm currently working in is the professional services space in in SaaS SAS stands for Software as a Service, which is pretty much any software that has a subscription basis. And so today, my company, Amplitude, is a software-as-a-service company. Um, If you think of any company that has a software that has some sort of subscription attached to it, it's pretty much every every and all companies that you have on your computer, essentially. (laughs) So um, being in that space, consulting is the first route to get into that. My route there was going through Accenture, and I actually found the first company that I applied to after Accenture, which was Optimizing, because they were actually a client of mine Accenture so that's how I was exposed to that so just being a consulting space just in general if you're not curious or if you're just curious on how to get involved in the different spaces and dabble a little bit but consulting is the best way to just jump into a career learn how to see how businesses run but also get exposure to a bunch of different companies since you're going to be staffed on a bunch of different projects. And you'll quickly find out what you like and what you don't like. And so that's how I found out that the space professional services existed in the SaaS space and found my way there.
0: What has been the most beneficial advice you have received to date? Some of it. And that's a big one. That's a big question. Yeah, that's
1: sure. a, 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 a huge question. I mean, I think I noted it earlier today, which is, yeah. just be yourself. I mean, yeah, lean in on that 100%. Um, I think, you know, in today's world, and you probably hear this a lot nowadays, but like, we're very distracted with what things should look like, with how things should sound, what things should feel. Um, and I think oftentimes with all of that noise, you just limit yourself and you think like, oh, if I'm not that, then like, I don't have it. But, you know, David seeing you as someone from Dribble Tech starting this podcast as an example, like, you've ran with it and you've had 100 episodes. or, or So I don't know how many, but it was a lot when I looked yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah, less than 100, bro. Less than 100.
0: Thanks oh, okay. for okay. piping me up. I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, com- it's coming through, but I mean, I yeah. bet you're running with it, like, no matter what. Like I, I, I've dabbled in the thought of like, maybe I should start a podcast, but, you know, people do it and they feel it, you know? And I think if you have that thought, you run with it, feel it, and just, like, enjoy it and it might not work out for some people who maybe don't have the voice for it or whatever the case may be but just being able to say like I look back and I try that just to yeah. hide my heart I, I've seen so many people just 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 um not pull through because of just that fear and just being yourself so yeah. it's very cliche it's very cheesy but I, I think it does matter um I think it's definitely changed my career being myself and it's changed the relationships that I have today just Stop. To stand up
0: yeah, and I wouldn't say it's treaty to be honest with you. I think everyone has unique personhood. And that's also coming from my faith perspective as well. I think everyone has unique personhood. And everybody can compliment, in my personal opinion. Everyone yeah. can compliment to their workspace, their lives. Um, and, you know, there's always purpose in situations and purpose in people. So I completely agree with that. It pays to be yourself. And, you know, it takes time. You got to be honest. It takes time to become comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Where where like as you mentioned distractions don't bother you to the point where you because you are comfortable in your skin you know who you are and you know what you're about so yeah dude this is really good i'm going to have to re-listen to this because this is good but thank you so much um thank you so much gabriel for joining me today it's so good to have you on Thank you.